I feel like sometimes that's not the, I'm going to use air quotes and I know we're on a podcast, but like manliest thing is women who dream about getting married and women who dream about being moms and whatever else. But man, I always wanted to be a dad. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This week's The Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by RPACT. RPACT is the one app every parent needs to keep their children safe online. Whether surfing the internet, playing games online, or engaging with social media, RPACT is always there to protect your children even when you can't be. RPACT's mission is to assist parents in teaching children healthy digital habits and responsible, proper device use. RPACT is easy to use, easy to set up, and great for parents who are concerned about their children's excessive use of technology. Whether it's scheduling device-free time for the family, schoolwork, or simply helping kids take a break from the web, RPACT is the perfect solution to encourage a healthy balance between technology and personal interaction. From screen time allowance to specific app blocking, filtering out inappropriate websites, or even getting periodic screenshots from your child's devices, RPACT was built with a simple goal in mind, keeping your kids safe while they're online. RPACT even has a dynamic family locator tool that allows you to find your kids 24 hours a day review their location history, and even see the exact routes and stops they made on any given day. It all adds up to make RPAC the most comprehensive parental control and family locator app on the market. If you're considering buying a new device for your kids this holiday season, sign up for RPAC's 14-day free trial and pair your kid's new device before gifting it to help them create responsible device and screen time habits. For more information and to download the RPAC app, go to their website at rpac.com slash artoffatherhood or find RPAC in your mobile device app store and start your 14-day free trial. What's going on, everybody? RDD here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have this guy. I'm huge into sports center, huge into ESPN, big sports fan. So having this guy is going to be awesome. Randy Scott, thanks for taking the time to chat with me, Sarah. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. This is going to be a nice like you know, meeting of certainly my two biggest interests for sure. Nice, man. Thank you very much for taking the time. And I love the fact that, you know, we were talking a little bit about, you know, fatherhood and like working the book fair and being there at the schools. It's it's definitely different than when we were growing up. But before we get into all that good stuff, talk a little bit about when you found out you were going to be a dad for the first time. What were you what was going on through your mind? Man, uh, that was back in um, I was back in 2012. And I had just I was in the in between. So I was at Nesson, New England Sports Network before ESPN. And I'd gotten the offer at ESPN. I'd signed, I'd signed the deal, but Nesson still wanted me, needed me to, to work. I think I gave him, I, I didn't give him two months, two weeks notice. I gave him like a month. And so I was in that month span and it was, uh, I started June 4th at ESPN. So it was like, it was May, it was starting to get hot. And my wife at the time was like, she was playing in a, she's a, she's a big soccer player. So she was playing in a, um, uh, New England Revolution media game. What, what, it was either that day or the day after had gone and gotten a blood test because she knew some things that I did not and was trying to think of the best way uh, to tell me. And so we went, I remember specifically going to that event and then coming home and she was like, don't open that envelope. I want to take a shower and came back out and handed it to me. And I was, you, you know, those charts, right? Where like, you're talking about like blood levels and and you're trying to like read. I mean, it's all like kind of pre-printed, like a Scantron test kind of it's pre-printed. And I kind of was like, what am, what am I looking at? And she was like, she was like, we're going to be, we're going to be parents. You're going to be a dad. And I was like, oh my God. And we, we had tried for a while, you know, I mean, knock on wood, there's so many people and God bless them who 
you know, it's not easy. It's just not easy. Some people it is, it's one and done and there you go. But, um, but we had tried for a little bit and it's weird because it was something I, I just had always wanted. And that, I don't know if you run into this in, in this podcast or in your life, but I feel like sometimes that's not the, I'm going to use air quotes and I know we're on a podcast, but like manliest thing is uh, because some people think like, no, it's women who dream about getting married and women who dream about being moms and whatever else. But man, I always wanted to be a dad. And so on the one hand, crazy excited, but on the other, there was this weird, like, this is what's supposed to happen. You know, this is, this is what is the next, this is the next logic. You know, I'm, I, I just turned 30. I've got this, my dream job that will hopefully help me provide too. So now it's then, the, the, I mean, dude, it, your, your brain's going a thousand miles an hour. So you think like, so you think, well, now it's all on me. Like if I've got the financial part kind of going and, and I've got, you know, this is what I've got the motivation to do it. And it's not an accident or anything like that. Like this is now it's on me now, you know? So yeah. it was a whole lot of things, man, at once. I don't know if that's, if anybody can relate to that. Oh, so many people. And, you know, I appreciate the honesty on everything and, 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 and to kind of acknowledge people who have a tough time getting, um, you know, getting pregnant or, you know, yeah. becoming parents. I mean, it, it is tough. And thank you for acknowledging that. And then also, too, I think many people, many guys on my show have been like, I couldn't wait to be a dad. So, like, it's, you know, yeah, it's, I think good. we're kind of getting past the, you know, the 80s stereotypical machoism being like, yeah, you, you saw, you know, you saw elements. If you lived in a good household and you had a good dad, like, I kind of, I want to be that, too, when I get older, right? So I love right. it. <laughs> right. right, right, for sure. I mean, I, my dad was a military, is, still has military tendencies for sure, but he was in the Navy for 43 years. And there was an element for me of like, all right, I know how I was raised. And I think maybe you're the same way. I think a lot of guys might be where you sort of treat it almost like a, like a, like a buffet menu where you're like, like, okay, I want to take this from how I grew up, but I don't want to do that. I want to take this. I'm not going to ask him to call me, sir. Which my dad lost that fight with my mom. My mom was like, they're not calling you, sir. My, <laughs> you know? but, my, but my dad has a brother who's in the Air Force and his kids called him, sir. So my brother, so my dad was like, hey, I called my dad, sir. Look how I turned out. Like the, the generational collides sometimes can be, can be interesting because it's hot. I would imagine for my dad, for my mom, especially, like, I think if you chose, if I chose to raise my kids in a different way, how could they not take it as like, almost like a personal affront, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this is very different how I raised my son. What, what's, what's he kind of saying, right? No, but also, right, right. man, you're. I feel like you're on, on your game with everything because you said, like, you know, take a little bit of this here, take a little bit of this here. And that's what this podcast is about, especially, you know, I'm going to be asking you, like, a big piece of advice for new dads in, in a second. But I want guys to be like, oh, yeah, never really thought about that. Or, yeah, Randy had a good point right there. So I should kind of think <laughs> about fatherhood in that level. So I appreciate that. And being at ESPN, man, you got to you gotta have hard work. You got to have dedication. You also got to have a quick wit. So before I even put more words or values in, into your mouth, but talk a little bit about some of the values you're looking to instill into your kids as they're growing up. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's a fine line because I do want them. They are smart. They are smart and they are quick. And man, my oldest, I have a, so I have nine, seven, and five nice. and boy, boy bookends and a girl in the middle. And my oldest is not afraid to, I, I want to say stick up for himself, but also like he doesn't see much kind of a sound like my dad in the way of uh, chain of command, 
when it comes to when it comes to grownups and when it comes to people his age. So he'll shoot right off and he'll say, actually, that's not true. Or actually it's this or whatever. So he'll correct you. And he's not always right, but man, is he confident. So for me, it's this fine line of like, stick up for yourself while also like, we don't talk to adults always the same way we talk to kids. You know, I remember the first time I first named one of my friend's parents and they called my parents and they were like, it's not a problem. Just want you to know in case Randy does this somewhere else. But Randy called me Al and my mom was like, what? I still remember her on the landline phone, the cord wrapped around the kitchen. And I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> Whatever that is, I hope I'm not responsible. And I was. And so I got, I got checked for it. But so I do want them, I want them to stick up for themselves. I want them to stick up for what they know is right, for who might need sticking up for. But I also want them to walk the line of, you know, defaulting to, uh, you know, respecting people who deserve it while also, man, it's hard though. I mean, I hear, I hear what I'm saying now while also not just blindly following and blindly respecting and, you know, a healthy uh, skepticism, I don't think is, is a bad thing. Yeah. And and that's great that you're acknowledging that right now, because we think about certain things like this is going to, this is going to be a weird analogy, but I remember in preschool, my daughters were in preschool. They're like, you know, make sure they know how to cut with like scissors properly with the kid's scissors and also tie their shoe. And it was just certain things like, yeah, shouldn't they know that? But when I was a kid, I had to learn that too. But right. you're you're packing them with tools and values that will help them like be kind, but also not get walked on, right? Yeah, yeah. And it is like, it, it, so how many, what's your, you have two girls? And, yeah, and the 14 other? and 12, yeah. Two girls. Okay, so for me with my daughter and she has a backbone, and uh, uh, stick up for herself streak. And I love it. Um, my oldest can kind of drive the, the boat though. And he can be stubborn and he can be a little strong headed. And I worry sometimes I like seven to me is too young to develop peacemaking skills. <laughs> and, and I come from, I come, so I'm one of three, I'm the oldest of three in the house that I grew up in. And my sister, and she raised her hand for this. Like my sister is an accomplished professional with the government, like does important work in the energy commission, energy regulatory commission. Like she is, she is so successful. She will still though, talk about middle child issues. Like we'll still hang on to middle child stuff. So I look at my daughter and I'm like, I'm not going to raise another middle child or another, you know, young woman who, girl who grows up to a young woman who can blame, you know, the fact that she started school too young for the reason, blah, blah, blah. Like um, and like I said, my sister's a great mom, a great wife, a great professional. Like she has checked so many boxes um, so well. So I look at it as like, how do I tell my daughter to stick up for herself while also not picking a fight at every turn? Actually, it would be my oldest picking a fight with her. You know, don't swing at every pitch with your brother, but also make sure you're getting the attention and the like, you know, that's the thing. Like, so I'm, I'm, I, the, <laughs> I'll tweet it sometimes. I try not to, but I'll still do it. Uh, or Instagram it or something like I call myself sometimes solo dad O'Brien because I have my kids. I have my kids. Have to be. Such a good dad <laughs> joke pun. Well done, sir. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a pun. It's a sad thing. Um, but I, I call myself that. And it's, it's hard one on three when seemingly like they'll sync up five, seven and nine years old. They'll sync up the dad, daddy, watch this, daddy, watch this, daddy, you're not watching. You know, they'll sync that up and there's just one of me. So how do I make sure that everybody's getting 
the right amount of attention as much as they need, as much as they deserve, while, you know, also like making sure they understand that patience is still kind of a virtue, you know, like parents aren't apps where you just press it on your tablet and we fire up and you've got us, you know, like life isn't an app, you know, like they need a little bit of patience when it comes to daddy, why do we have to wait in the checkout line? Well, you know, this is life. So, yeah. Let me tell you before Netflix, you actually, after your, if you wanted to see the movie again, you just hit a button. You actually had to rewind on this video, VR thing, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Uh, two more questions before we kind of get into your awesome career. Um, what is something that your kids have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there, but once you had kids, you're like, well, it could be a good or bad or just whatever. Um, but is what yeah. is something that, you know, you, when you think about your kids, you're like, man, they taught me X, Y, or Z. Um, taught me, man, because they've made me into certain things. Like okay. I, and that, and that works too. That that's yeah. another thing too. Go ahead. I mean, they've, they've, uh, they've taught me that I can find so much like excitement and joy and happiness. Like I can pump my fist for life events. Like I can get so um, secondarily happy for someone else. And like, that's truly like, uh, listen, I mean, maybe this is something for, for later when we're talking about career and stuff, but the, the industry that I'm in, um, it might've been Mike Tirico or it was someone, some really successful and, and wise, wise, uh, person in this business was like, um, comparison is the thief of joy and, or the thief of satisfaction or something like that. And in this, I think they were talking about this business because when you, when you, you know, you're breaking into ESPN or you're at Nesson and you're looking at ESPN and you're like, well, I do, I do this just as well as that person. Or I, or with the right amount of reps, I could be just like that, or I could, whatever. Like, so you're in that business and you see someone get a job or you see someone get a job that you want or get an assignment that you want. When you're at ESPN, you're like, well, wait, why are they on the road? Like, I want to be on the road or why, why are they, or if you're on the road, well, why are they, why do they get to anchor? I want to anchor. You know, like there's, there's that sort of thing. And you're just not happy for other people sometimes when you're new at it, you know? And with kids, it really does teach you, like, you can find so much happiness and joy and satisfaction in someone else's accomplishments. So for me, I remember specifically when my oldest was potty training. We were, it's the only time in my time at ESPN where we lived in Connecticut. We lived in Connecticut for about 18 months, but otherwise I've lived in the Boston suburbs. And I remember coming home from a show. So I was about a 20 minute commute and I was, I was home from, it was, I probably got home about 6.30. I was doing the three to six, the old three to 6 p.m. sports center on ESPN News, which people in the building would call the friends and family sports center because that's all was watching, right? It was just three to six ESPN News. You're up against PTI and around the horn yeah. and all this. And on ESPN News and, and, the, uh, and I came home with my son, Winnie the Pooh his way out of the bathroom, right? So he is Donald Ducking, just shirt, no pants, nothing. But he is coming around beaming, beaming. And he's two, two and a half, uh, but he had to be almost three. And he's like, I went in the potty and I went and I tried and I wiped myself like, and he's beaming and I, whatever I had in my hand, dropped it. And I pumped my fist like the Caps won game seven. I pumped my fist like the Raiders won the Super Bowl. Like I was, and it wasn't theatric. It wasn't performative. It what I was so, because I know all the th- things that his mom and I had worked on to get to that point. But I also know that 
he was taking pride in yeah. an accomplishment for himself, you know, and like seeing that. And you know, you could have that with a kid who is never going to play sports, never going to do anything competitive, but seeing that sense of accomplishment it could be a Lego set, train set, or going to the bathroom. Like, oh my God, that secondhand external stuff. So yeah, I don't know. That's that's probably a long, long answer. No. To short great great answer and very you know thoughtful and i appreciate that and that's yeah. you know man like yeah no matter where you are that you know they always say like the grass is greener on the other side and i just saw someone say like well yeah but maybe are you watering your grass enough right are you are you taking stock in what you have yeah. first and i was yeah. like that's a pretty good analogy to like for that always that you know that that adage about the grass is always greener but like for my kids they always say like you know why don't we have social media i'm like you already are looking to find yourself right you're already looking to see who you are and you're going to doubt yourself along the way like you know high school and and mostly and mostly high school a little bit of college maybe a little bit of middle school but i feel like high school you're like who am i you're trying to identify and you're you're judging yeah. yourself against other people and i just say to them like look it's not like i don't trust you on social media but there's a lot of factors and one of them is like i don't feel like you need to worry about everybody else's successes and you might feel like well why is this person doing this and why am i doing that yeah, your age, yeah. especially you know the competitive job of you know sports uh, entertainment and sports journalism you're going to have that any job is going to have that heck if someone in a podcast like lands an awesome guest and i'm like man why don't i get that person right you know but i'm right, like right. now i'm talking to someone that i definitely admire on espn randy scott i'm like so i should be happy with you know who i have and i'm so <laughs> glad that you know i'm chatting with you but like yeah I, I think that children give you a sense of like especially you know when your kid when you're when your son was like learn how to go to the bathroom it's like those things are like yeah like you learn to like it's not all about you and then you you champion other people's successes so i love that story yeah man. it's great no but what you said well thank you for saying that but also what you said about your daughters and social media and i'm gonna have this conversation i know it's coming sooner rather than later with mine but like that is what you're seeing people put out is the best version of the best moment of their day and that day that moment is often contrived it's often staged it's often highlighted glammed up whatever it is like and then but you don't see all the work that goes into it you don't see just outside the frame of the photo or the video so you're just like comparing your own you probably are looking around your house going well how come i don't have shiplap and how come mine doesn't look like chip and joanna game or whatever it is and then you're like oh you know and it, it just it, there's there are very few times I feel like people look at social media and end up feeling better about themselves after because it's such a comparative <laughs> performance, you know? you know. So true, so true, man. <laughs> um, one more question uh, about fatherhood: yeah. Is there a dad hack or a piece of advice? Like I always say to new dads, you know, you know, if there's a piece of advice or a dad hack you'd offer to new dads or just any dads, but I always tell new dads like, you think the diaper bag is full and it's got wipes and diapers always check that. I don't even care if you're just going down the street to get something, make sure that yeah. diaper bag is packed. Right. So okay, for you, yeah. you have a dad hack or a piece of advice. That's a great, I mean, that's a great one. I, I just remember it took, um, and my oldest man, I mean, he, he was the car sick one. He was the learning the hard way that he didn't like peaches. I remember like on the way, you know, uh, I, we were on the way, we were on the way to, his mom's so his mom's uh used to be a news anchor and we're on the way to her station he's a baby and but he it was halloween's right it was yeah right about now and he was gonna um dress in a pirate costume and be on the air so it, she was like you need to bring him you need to be here at this time and i was like got it no problem uh and she goes he's got to be in his pirate costume i was like absolutely and there was something that told me let's change him there like he'll need a fresh diaper before he goes on. 
let's change him into his con like in my mind i'm like it's just just me just him and she used to work um, a morning show so we were best buds like it's funny i was i was nights she was mornings and then we flipped later but but so i'd get up with him i'd give him bottles you know i'd i'd put him to bed because she went to bed at like i don't know she went to bed at like six five o'clock or something so it, he and i were dinner bath bed and we go for a walk and stuff and but taking him to taking him to her station that morning i was like nope regular clothes we'll put him in regular I'll, i'm gonna put him in regular clothes i'll change when we get there get in the car halfway there threw up all the peaches all the little gerber you know, new to food sort of peaches that he'd had. And I was like, Oh my God. So I think the dad hack would be like, would be always not just what you said about diapers, but I mean, yes, that's massive, but a change of clothes, always have a change of clothes, whether it's a, whether it's a pirate costume or not, but always have a change of clothes, always have uh, like a snack too. Like as they get older, like I, my car, I have goldfish, I have peanut butter crackers and I have, I have Gatorades. I have Gatorades in my car. Those little, you know, little individual gators, but like always have juice, always have a snack because sometimes traffic hits, sometimes a 20 minute ride turns into an hour ride and like it can just sort of uh, placate everybody. Oh, I love that, man. Yeah, you are a veteran dad with having all that good stuff in there. And yeah, having an extra change of clothes is, is so, so on point. <laughs> Talk a little bit about, you know, again, ESPN. You know, I love the fact that, you know, I think two of the areas I think that people feel like, Oh, I can do that job is one, a stand-up comedian. You go up there like, no, you can't. And then two, it's like anchor sports or like commentate on sports because it's just, there's so many things that goes in, you know, behind all the hard work that you, where you are today, you yeah. know, you put in the hard work from day one. Right. But yeah. from like, you know, you're talking about going like sports and all that stuff. Talk about your first time on sports center all the emotions and what is like the biggest takeaway you had from actually being on sports center for your first time um i remember it was it was uh an 8 p.m sports center and it was on espn news but those were the night ones were highlight driven i was with kevin connors i'll never forget it and uh who's a great dad in his own right he'd be great on this podcast um and uh who actually just actually just lost his dad now that i think about it so mm. uh I'm thinking about him. I reached out to him this week, but, but it was, um, that show in, in, in particular, there are games that are in progress and you're allowed to show in progress highlights. So there was no time to take the shot sheet, which is, um, I don't have a piece of paper. It's, it's in landscape form like this, right? Yeah. It's in three columns. The, the left side is the, uh, setup to the play. The middle column is whatever is going to be on the screen. Whatever the video is, is a middle column. And then the right column is the result and maybe a stat. So third quarter, Lakers up six, you know, Russell Westbrook to LeBron, alley-oop, Lakers up eight, LeBron had 34 points. Like that's like blah, blah, blah. And then it's up to you to, you know, put your own spin on it, yeah. put an additional stat, an additional quote, little context, whatever it was. Um, so that night I realized – I'm going to be getting these, these shot sheets. Just, it's like, Hey, here's, here's Lakers warriors go. You know, it's, it's, it's in two, it's in two stories. It's in two things. And you're like, Oh, okay. So there's, there really was, it was think on your feet, talk on your feet, that sort of thing. So it's weird. Like I can kind of nod along with anybody who's like, yeah, anybody could do your job. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, if you're a sports fan, you can talk sports. Anybody can do that. Can you do it in a way that isn't going to alienate half the country? Although, although, there are shows that do that, you know, like that's, that, that's something I've learned and sort of come to appreciate in the 10 years that I've been there is, you know, it's not just the George Michael sports machine where you're just pressing play on videos and 
and the highlights roll and there you go. It's like first take has taken off. Uh, Around the Horn's always been there, just been an absolute machine. Around the Horn has actually done a really good job of incorporating new like avenues for it. So if you're a writer, just because you're a writer doesn't mean you can't be on TV. So it's been like, let's get writers, let's get columnists, let's get personalities and, and have a conversation that way. So I think anybody, I really do think anybody could do it. I just think you need to know what you're talking about. You always need to be right. You always need to be accurate. And then everything beyond that, if it's your opinion, that's your opinion. But you know, like you have to, it's basically the bar test or the restaurant test where they may want to sit next to you at a bar, sit next to you at a restaurant and talk sports with you. If that's, if that's true, then you can find a place at the, at the, at the media table for sure. I, you're, I think you're being too kind and generous because I'm like, there is some stuff that, you know, people have to be ingrained. I remember this is kind of like, there was a sports uh, sports museum in Virginia and you had to call this play. Right. And I was like, we're, everyone's all excited to try and call it out. And like, no one was doing anything well. Cause it'd be yeah. like, you press the button, you're like, and the pitch. Uh, and then there's a hit and you're like, no, <laughs> like everybody was just failing on that. Right. Was that, the, was that the museum? Was that at the museum? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I did that with, but it was Bob. It's funny. Bob Costas is kind of like, kind of, re-entered the national conversation in baseball over the last like couple of weeks but yeah. but but it was bob costas calling the uh jeffrey mayor reach over the wall the yankee fan who reached over the wall and like robbed the home run against the orioles and you could yeah. get in there and call it and i was like that is kind of hard but that's a different skill set too like play-by-play is different from color commentary which is different from what i do which is different from uh you know radio which is different from first take and and get up and, and on down the line. And so like, that's one of my pieces of advice to anybody breaking in and it's two sides. It's twofold. You have to know what you are while also being as versatile as possible. You really can't just be a one trick. Like I do highlights and that's it. You, you can say, this is my experience. This is what I, I'm comfortable doing this, but I can also do bop, 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 and I can host and I can whatever else. And you mentioned stand up comedy. I did stand up for two years in the Tampa area, better part of two years. And never made much money, never got great at it. I got 20 minutes. I could middle um, at places like Coconuts Comedy Club in Brandon, Florida. Uh, I was on stage at the Improv a couple of times. I won one contest there and that was like a gateway drug for me. Um, But I have so much respect for people who make a life out of that, make a career out of it. But also that is some of the best training you can get for when that prompter shorts out, when the kid on prompter, and I mean kid, because there are 22 year olds that come straight out of school. That's their first job. When, the, when they're kind of scrambling and getting their feet under them and, or when the video that fires is not the right video and you've got to ad lib, like to be able to think on your feet is probably, that is a baseline, no matter what role you want in, in sports media is to be able to think on your feet. Well, you, you already answered my other question. Well, one of my other questions about just your career about like, what would you tell your younger self uh, that you know now in the industry? And you kind of answered that. So I appreciate that. Is there a game or story that you covered that you were very proud of, or you're just really excited because like you said, like you got to make sure that you can cover all the sports and all that other stuff. But, you know, I think people who tune into ESPN like to see personalities and like to see what, you know, what you guys are rooting for, what teams you care about. Right. But is there a story that like stands out to you or a team or like an event that you really loved covering just because it meant a lot to you? Yeah. Yeah. So let's see here. I mean, the first one was, a breaking news um, element on Sports Center, and again, I was on the Friends and Family Sports Center, three o'clock to six p.m. But it was April fifteenth, twenty thirteen, and 
So uh, we get out there and it's a hot change. The sports center used to go from, for, I think at its peak, it went from 7 a.m. to 2 a.m. Because it was 7 to 10, 10 to noon, yeah. noon, to t- noon to 3, I think. 3 to 6, 6 to 8, 8 to 11, 11 to 1, 1 to, it, when then it was out in L.A. Like it just went. And I was on the 3. It was the old studio. And it was the day of the Boston Marathon, Bob. So it was 2.45. And my ex-wife messaged me. She was on maternity leave with our oldest and she was watching the marathon because we lived up in massachusetts and she was watching the marathon she was there was a bomb a bomb just went off at the, at the marathon and in the a block of the show it was jackie robinson day in baseball so on it was like you know hi hello it was myself and, and jorge andres who works in um in for nbc um national now um and it was you know say hi jackie robinson day major in baseball this is his legacy the roundtable discussion with jorge and i think doug glanville and a couple other uh voices and uh baseball voices at espn and then over to me on camera because that's the day that the red sox play at like 11 a.m yeah. over to me hey on camera red sox early boston patriots day da, da, da. let's go to the highlight do the highlight and then go you know bump uh yeah, still ahead on sports center blah, blah blah and then go to break well i tell our producer i'm like hey something's going on in, in boston i think we need to at least scrap the on cam you know, and I'm new. I haven't been there a year yet. So the fact that I'm even suggesting a change is outside of definitely my comfort zone. But I was like, it just doesn't feel right. Because what I'd written was like, Boston is like the old, old army commercials. They get more done before noon on Patriots Day than anybody, blah, blah, which clever without a terrorist attack. Yeah. With a terrorist attack, it's now very inappropriate. So they wouldn't do it. They, they, not, they wouldn't do it. They were like, well, we don't know what's going on. So until we can confirm it, let's just go as planned. And I was like, okay. So I made the decision to protect myself in terms of like ending up as a punchline online or something where I'm not going to do that on cam. I said, here's what Patriots say means in Boston. Here's the significance. But that's ad-libbed as the person running the prompter is like, what he's saying is not on my screen. So I'm just going to kind of move with him and go. Then we got to the highlight, did the highlight. And then in my ear during the highlight, they're like, okay, we know that there's been an explosion. You can tease that. You can say, developing story. There's been an explosion near the finish line of the Boston Marathon. Um, stay with ESPN. We'll have updates uh, and we'll be right back on SportsCenter. So ad-lib that. So did that. And for the next three hours, until Bob Lee and Jeremy Schapp came to relieve a 30-year-old and a 29-year-old, we ad-libbed about what was going on. And because I lived up there, yeah. they were taking helicopter shots and they were like, okay, Randy, what is that? I'm like, that's Huntington Ave. That's Boylston. That's going west to east. You're looking toward the toward the river. You're looking there. That's Back Bay. That's, you know, um, the Dartmouth Street that crosses and this, this, and this. And I was like, that's actually right near this restaurant. This re-. Because I lived there. I lived in the Back Bay when I lived in Boston. So I got to kind of think on my feet, show them I could do it, talk to runners who were scared and were calling in. And like, it was, so that was uh, one of the things I'll never forget. But the thing that was most emotional for me was when Caps won the Stanley Cup in 2018. That was the first, yeah, it was the 17-18 season. That was the first full hockey season without my mom. My mom had died in December of 16. Oh, and sorry. that was her, that was the, well, thanks. That was the, uh, oh my God, it's been almost six years. That was the only team that she and I had in common. Um, being a military kid, and I was born in San Diego and moved around a fair amount. So I kind of 
picked up teams as we went. Like I'm a Raiders fan. And people, who are you a Raiders fan? I'm like, well, it's not by, you know, I'm not chasing titles, you know, like (laughs) 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 character building exercise. Um, And for the longest time, it was that way with the Caps, but the the Caps are the only DC team that I root for blindly. And she and I had that. And so, so going down there, I went down for game um, four in DC and, and uh, I worked the morning after, but the, the morning after they actually beat the Penguins, I was on the air and I went down and I got a hotel room in Connecticut so I could stay up later and watch the game because my hours up here, my, my hours period, I wake up at 1.30 in the morning and I get on the road at 2.15 and I'm there by four. That's when that's my end time for a 7 a.m. show. So I was like, I'm not going to see any of this game <laughs> if I stay up here. And uh, my ex-wife was like, well, we've got it covered. Like we'll get a babysitter or whatever. Just why don't you go down there? So I did. And um, I went in the next morning and it was me and Nicole Briscoe and Sage Steele on a three-person 7 a.m. show. And the caps were in the A block. They weren't the top story, but they were in the A block because it was this exercising of demons. And I'm doing the highlight and we throw to probably Barry Trot's sound, maybe, or Alex, maybe Ovechkin, because Netsov was scored, but, um, but we threw to some sound. And I'm doing the highlight. And by the end, of, and I knew what happened. I stayed up, I watched the game, doing the highlight, and I'm tearing up at the end of the highlight. And the producer, John Lavoie, who's amazing, was scrapped. We were supposed to have like a, like a full screen or something after the um, sound bite that was like, this is the number of times the Caps ran into the Penguins and never won. And this is, the, you know, just to put it in some context, but instead he brought all three of us on camera and I'm sitting there like, like looking at Nicole and Nicole and Sage are like, this means something to you. And I was like, I was like, yeah, it does. So to your point about fandom, it's like, you do want to play it down the middle, but you are a fan. If you weren't a fan, you wouldn't have the job. And if you weren't a fan, you wouldn't connect with viewers at all or listeners or whatever it is. So you know, I'm sure it would be like a, like a single person listening to a dad podcast. Like they couldn't necessarily identify as well as a, as a father could. So I'm sitting there and I was like, yeah, I was like, just think about the number of times that you just keep running into this buzzsaw and selfishly, you think about the fans who aren't here to see it. Yeah. And, yeah. And then she, and Nicole actually Sage too, could identify as Cubs fans. They were like, oh my God, think about the generations that didn't get to, that didn't get to see that either. So, yeah. So that's, sorry, very long answer more of a professionally satisfying and then a personally satisfying for sure. Randy, you don't have to apologize. Those are amazing stories. And a couple of things that again, hit home, man. You never have to explain to me why you like different teams in different areas. I moved around a lot. What? Not a military kid, but I'm yeah. a Bulls fan. I'm a Niners fan and I'm a Red Sox fan. So go, go get that. Oh, right. Hell yeah. You got the whole, you got <laughs> yeah. the whole country covered. And, and again, with, with the, you know, again, I'm sorry for your mom's passing. Like my mom passed away in 2012 and she was like, everybody except I was the youngest of three. Everybody but me was born in Buffalo. I was born in South Bend. So there you can kind of see like um, I, Joe Montana was playing in 79 and all that good stuff. So my dad yeah. kind of like defected from the Bills and went to the Niners because he liked this Joe Montana guy, right? Yeah. So I yeah, started I becoming that. a Niner fan. But you, you see how sports like – my wife kind of they they played sports and all this other stuff but coming from buffalo having it like every sunday we just sit down we watch all the games i don't care who's playing we're just you know foods around the table and all this stuff we're watching games but just for you to have that moment just thinking of your mom you said fans not being there like 
you have those memories of just, you know, growing up and, and bonding with, you know, your parents, your family about those sports. So I, I appreciate yeah. that. I just want to say like, it, it definitely hits home to me because who, whoever knows what this year will bring with the bills, but if the bills win, I know like my mom's going to be like somewhere excited and happy being like, yes, they finally did it. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right. That's a long wait. That is a long wait. Yeah, <laughs> it is. No, I, you know, I was there. So growing up by 91, we were in DC or in the DC area. And my mom kind of put the foot down on moving. She was like, and I was at the Pentagon or in Norfolk, Virginia. I can't remember which one. And so that's how she became a then Redskins fan. Whereas my dad's still a Chargers fan, but I remember that Bill's Super Bowl, that 91 Super Bowl. And that's, I mean, how far back are we going, dude? That's 31 years. Yeah. We were living in Illinois at the time. That's how I became a Bulls fan. And um, mom was having a party at the Super Bowl, and she's like, she went upstairs, and she's like, I can't deal with anybody. She had to watch it alone, and then she's like, to us, like, kick everybody out after the <laughs> field call. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't really. She uh, was just joking, but it was just like, yeah, that that thing. I mean, that game was just phenomenal, like all around. Um, with of course Whitney Houston, and then you know the Giants, like Belichick and Parcells yeah. having the game plan of like, we'll leave. Our offense just puttering, right? <laughs> we'll just yeah. we won't let the uh, the K gun offense run. Um, one more question before we finish off the father quick yeah. five: Is there a sport, whether you were at Nesson or ESPN, that you didn't really maybe care too much of, but maybe you now think of fondly because you have a respect because you kind of like studied it and you learned more about it? Like for me, I used to work at a classic rock station. I grew up hip hop, Biggie, Pac, all that good stuff, and yeah. all of a sudden, like. Hey, ACDC, Iron Man, like, this ain't bad. Like, okay, I'll get it, right? Yeah. And then yeah. I covered some NASCAR stuff, and I was like, man, I used to make jokes about NASCAR, but NASCAR is a legit business, a legit sport. So for you, yeah. is there a sport that you cover? You're like, man, I had this sport all wrong. Hockey. Uh, yeah, hockey. For It's not that I had it wrong. I always knew that I just – I was in awe of it. I, I don't know how they do what they do at that speed, that coordination on ice, on skates. I, I don't – I don't know. I don't know how they fight on skates. I still don't, but, but I didn't know, like, I didn't know enough about the sport. I didn't really consume it that well or that much, honestly. And then I got to Nesson and it wasn't just the Bruins and, I, and they, they had a fantastic ringside reporter, Naoko Funayama, uh, Catherine Tappan did a lot of the hosting. Uh, now it's Dale Arnold. He does a, a tremendous job. Um, and you know, Jamison Coyle was in there as well. He's now at the NHL network. Like it's produced some, some tremendous talent at Nesson. I got to fill in, or I think when they expanded the rosters for a playoff run in 2011, the year they won the cup, I got to do uh, some stuff for the Montreal Canadiens series. And, and, but also like doing those highlights every night, like professionally, it drove home how important it was to be right, to get the pronouncers right. Don't be afraid to ask questions. It's not, a, it's not, not a, a, a shot at your ego if you have to ask um, and get it right. And if you don't believe like the first answer, like if something, if I call to research, if I'm like, CJ, this is O-N-D-R-E-J, Palat. How do I say that? And he'll go, Andres, maybe? Like that, like, <laughs> you don't, no, that's not, it's Andre. It's Andre, I know that now, but like, don't trust that first thing because it's your voice, your face out there on the air. So that maybe is you're just like, great, right? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't help me. It doesn't help me at all. And CJ's better than that. He, he, wouldn't, he yeah. wouldn't do that. But like, but so it drove home, like how important it was to be right. But also like, you just got comfortable with the terminology. You got comfortable with the, the slot, the, 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 the dot, the face-off circle, the offensive zone, keeping it in the zone, this, the, that, end-to-end, tape-to-tape, blah, blah, blah. Like, 
you learn that stuff as you grow to familiar with it. And guess what? You fall in love with it. It's so fun to watch. Playoff hockey is incredible. Oh. And it didn't hurt that the first full season I was at Ness and they won the cup. So you get the parade and you know, the duck boats and the this and that. But you see also like, this is one of my, my favorite stories is um, Sean Thornton, who's a bruiser, right? Sean Thornton has penalty minutes on top of penalty minutes. And he was an enforcer and he could score a little bit in his younger days. But I think by the time he got to, to that year in Boston, I, I don't think he was as much of an offensive threat. But I was nervous before game seven of the Montreal Canadiens series that ended up going to double overtime. But I was nervous and I'm pacing and I was doing the thing you're not supposed to do, which is memorize your hit. And so I'm trying to memorize it, trying to memorize it. I'm pacing, I'm pacing, holding the nest in my flag. I'm in my three button suit and I'm like, Duh. and I know that when I get out to the, to the bench, I'm supposed to just look up at the mezzanine camera level in the general direction of the camera. So it's all, it's still kind of like you're talking to yourself, but that's when you're supposed to go about an earpiece, but I'm pacing. And Sean Thornton is doing an exercise that like is not breathing heavily. He's not sweating. He's doing it to stretch. Whereas you and I kill us. And it's this like duck walk down the, not duck walk, lunch, alternating lunch down the concourse in the bowels of the garden, the TD garden. And with every step, he's doing a trunk twist and then he's up and then lunge a different thing, trunk twist. And he's got corded Apple earbuds in. And so I'm pacing and I'm talking and I'm practicing, practicing. And he, he talks with the Canadian voice, but also the, um, just sort of the hockey accent and the voice of modulation that comes with wearing headphones and listening to music. So he's, he sees me and I'm, we pass each other. And then on the third pass through, he goes, Hey, bud, don't be nervous. Don't be nervous, bud. You got this. And without breaking stride, without stopping what he's doing, his workout, all that. But here's this, like, just, he's not Zidane Char. He's not like a grizzly bear, but he's a smaller bear still. Yeah. And this guy who will drop gloves at a, at a second's notice, and he's trying to make me feel better and share a lighthearted thing. And I, I just love that dude so much. So ho- that's hockey players. That's so hockey is the, is the sport for me that I didn't fully appreciate until I worked there. Love it, man. Thank you very much for sharing that. Now I'll finish off with the fatherhood quick five favorite family movie. I know you guys, the age range is kind of close, but then you might have some, you know, deviations, but is there a favorite family movie you guys like to watch together? Um, man, we've seen, uh, we go in and we go hot and cold. We go in these like, spurs so we've probably seen both of the sonic movies six seven times lately but the one that uh that we'll come back to when the weather starts getting nice is uh we'll watch the sandlot and they yeah my oldest is nine now and my daughter gets it and my younger guy is not scared of the dog um so the sandlot is is the one that we come back to love it uh favorite band or musician or artist you can't wait to introduce your kids to oh man Man, that's good. We listen to so much Disney, uh, you know, so many kids songs and kids yeah. bop and other things. That's um, the perfect age right there. Cause you don't have to worry about like lyrics or anything going right, on right, right. now. So. <laughs> um, I mean, when they get older, older, like you, you talked about, you know, your sort of hip hop roots. Like I'd love, uh, you said it, Biggie and Pac, like when, but they'd have to be older and I'd have to make sure they understand like, we don't say this word. We yeah. Don't say this word. <laughs> <laughs> That sort of thing, but also, but understand the, the lyricism, understand the poetry and the storytelling and the struggle and understand these things that like you as a kid who looks like you and grows up where you grow up, like you will never fully appreciate this, but also you also are not getting this from current rappers, yeah. <laughs> from current <laughs> rappers, you're not getting this. 
so from you know and i sound like such an old man get off my lawn but like you know little this and baby that like it's just not you're not getting this um so so uh i would say though like i took my little brother his first concert i made sure his first concert was tom petty and obviously that's never coming back but that is sing-along stuff i think that's road trip stuff that they would go along with me on so we could probably do some of that soon love it man um Speaking of road trips, describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Cross country. I did it. I did it when I was 12. And it's, I still can remember things so vividly. I can remember how Old Faithful smelled, that sulfur sort of thing. So yeah, I would do that. And my kids would do it. My, my oldest and my, and my middle, they're into states and license plates. And when we do road trips, the longest one they've done is down to DC with me from up here um, to visit family and stuff. But uh they look they they were like well what would we do here what would we do here and i've been to 49 states alaska is the only outlier but i would love to like like there and back it would probably be a month to do it the right way but like i mean grand teton national park jackson hole you know painted sands down in in new mexico in the southwest and obviously the grand canyon great salt lake just there's so much out there for sure nice uh career question kind of is there someone you'd love to interview that you haven't had a chance to yet so you say you're a big Bulls fan. I mean, Michael Jordan was my guy. Michael yeah. Jordan was my guy. Um, so, I mean, that would be a bucket list thing. In terms of a really interesting interview, though, uh, sports wise, like, I'd love to meet someone who has accomplished so much and is still a sports fan. So, you know, I like Barack Obama's on that list. Um, yeah. You know, somebody like a like an actor, I'm trying to think of an actor as a big sports fan, you know, Ryan Reynolds, uh, you know, uh, we interviewed Jessica Alba. She's a sneaky sports fan. We had her on the show once. So like, I'd love to like athlete wise, I've been really lucky. I've been, I've had some fun interviews Pete Rose's wild card, uh, Kurt Angle, <laughs> Kurt Angle put me in the ankle lock in studio. Like, I mean, so I, you know what I'd put Dwayne John, I would put the rock on that list though, because I was there the day that he came through. He's come, he used to come through Bristol a decent amount. And I was there, but I was, I was on a show that he was on, but I was not the one doing the interview. It was my friend, David Lloyd. So they had this last question of like, get rock to do a touchdown dance. Cause somebody had just done a ridiculous touchdown dance the night before. And so like rock, what do you think? And of course he's going to go along and do it. And so he did one in studio, spiked the ball. And he goes, what'd you think? Anyway, I knew his last question. What'd you think to David? And I'm just off to the side, getting ready to do a tease. And I was like, it doesn't matter what you think. And so I'm not fully mic'd, but you can definitely hear me on their mics. And <laughs> both of them snapped and turned their head around. And Rock has this big grin. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like, he was not, you know, annoyed, <laughs> startled, like, pissed off, any of that stuff. He was cool about it. And then I got a, I was able to get a picture with him after. So, <laughs> but well, it was like years ago. God, man. Well yeah. done. You're like, you're, you're saying, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go, but I got to shoot my shot, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. That was a forgiveness and not permission thing for sure. Love it. Well done, man. And lastly, top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? Ah, oh, man. There, like there, combination of present or there. I just, okay. I want that loving, you know, uh, loving, affectionate. Yep. affectionate. I think the one I struggle with is, is patient because there is so much like drinking from a fire hose sometimes. So, so my dad was always there. My dad was always affectionate and my dad was always like in my corner. So like supportive, I'd say supportive. Yeah. Patience. I think any, if any parents like, Oh, I got enough patience. They're lying. They're straight up lying. <laughs> 
Great three words right there. Thank you. You've been very generous with your time. People, make sure you follow Randy on Twitter, Randy Scott, ESPN, and also on Instagram, Randy Scott. And watch him, of course, on uh, SportsCenter, on ESPN, and all the good stuff he yeah. does. I wish you and your family continued success, and this was a real treat, man. Thanks. You too, man. I had a great time. Thank you. Same to you and your girls. Thank you. I want to take time to thank this week's sponsor, RPAC, for so many reasons. First and foremost, they're looking to help our kids stay safe, whether they're playing games online, social media, or just trying to create healthy digital habits, not just for kids, but for parents as well. We all know that kids will follow our lead, and if RPAC is helping us create safe and healthy digital habits, our kids will follow our lead as well. And RPAC, over the years, has been supporting the art of fatherhood. And please support the people who are supporting me. It would mean a lot. This organization is great. I'm very thankful for their time and efforts in promoting the Art of Fatherhood podcast. It means the world to me. So please, again, help the people that are helping me trying to create a positive message about fatherhood. And while you're online, please rate, subscribe, and review to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Check out the Art of Fatherhood website at artoffatherhood.net. You'll see the podcast. You'll see the Dad's Doing It Right columns, the collector of the week. I talk all things about pop culture, parenting tips, all that good stuff. Or feel free to just leave comments over at my website. I'd greatly appreciate it. But again, thanks to RPACT. Make sure you check them out at rpact.com. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.